Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hey, welcome to the Equipped to Be show. I'm so glad you are with us today. We have crossed a milestone. The podcast has been on air for about 11 months. And let me tell you, you guys, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping to make this show so successful and just spreading the word and telling other people about the podcast. It just, um, you know, there's something about doing work that other people appreciate. And for me, sitting here in my office uh, behind this microphone and not really, you know, I can't see you, uh, not in person the way I would like to, but I I see you because I know where you are and, and what it's like and how, you know, we're all trudging through whatever circumstance or situation we have going on in our families right now. So today's podcast, let's talk about teaching your children to learn. Now, that is an interesting topic, right? It's not the beginning of the new year, and it's a little bit of a pivot. But you know, I've been doing a lot of segments for our local uh, television station, and as well as fielding a good bit of questions. I could almost say this is a reader's, a listener's question. And unfortunately, I don't have time to answer all of them uh, via email, or actually they come in through Signal, which I'm on Signal. Uh, they're me, we, all the different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and all that. And I just, I, I'm getting so many, thankfully, but it's hard time sometimes for me to answer them. So what I've been doing is kind of compiling them and addressing them as they fit, uh, like when I'm getting many, as, as opposed to just like one here or there, I know that this is something we need to address. When we talk about teaching your children to learn, I, I've decided that I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. People often say, Connie, like how, how did you homeschool five kids that were very close in age? How, how did you do that? They were your kids are all so different. And it, you guys, if you know my children, they are very different. And if you have more than one child, chances are they're pretty different too, if you stop and think about it. I also get a lot of questions of how have you and your husband been, you know, like stayed married and actually like each other and, and want to do life together? How, how do you do that? How have you done that for 36 years now? And, and how is your family now? Because my children are all grown. I'll tell you a little bit about that a little bit later in the podcast. But I've decided that I'm going to pull back the curtain a bit and share like really what we did. If you've read Parenting Beyond the Rules, I share a lot of stories in that book. And I think that's one of the things most of you have shared with me is that you appreciate the stories I share. Uh, not because I share stories about my kids or my kids' failures, but really I share like mom moments. And they're not always the proud mom moments. I think in most of the book, it is more moments where they weren't my stellar moments. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have gotten an award for 
best mom at some of those moments. But it was through those moments that I learned so much. And it gives me the insight and perspective to be able to share with you. I don't talk to you on this podcast or when I do interviews for other podcasts or when I'm doing a segment on radio or on television. You know, I don't speak about that, which I don't know. And when when people ask me, how have you been married for this for as long as you have? Have you ever had any trouble? And if you guys know me well, I, I don't often talk a lot about my marriage and married life. And yet, you know, I, I probably should. I mean, we have been married for a very long time and we plan to, you know, God willing, be married a lot longer. You guys ask me to, to go more in depth about teaching my children. How did I teach an engineer? And how did I teach an artist? And how did I teach these creatives and these st- statisticians that are just incredible? And like, how did you do that? And how did you stay sane? Uh, there's a lot of people that talk about those topics. A lot of people are talking about how did you stay organized? And I, I don't know why I haven't really shared that much about it. But uh, you guys have asked and I have heard and no, I'm not creating a challenge, but I will pull back the curtain and let's just talk about it for the next, you know, few, let's, for the next few months. But when people ask me, Connie, how did you teach your children? I look back because we homeschooled like all the kids and they all went on to college and they went on to the same college. And I should probably do a podcast about how did we get our kids into college? How did we get, how did they all receive academic honors? And how did they all graduate with zero loans, uh, zero debt, and no college prepay? How did we actually do that? And when people ask me about it, I say, you know, they'll, they're like, you have a lot of kids very close together. And I said, yes. So we have a, we had children in college for 11 consecutive years. And I, I know some of you out there right now, like your, your math checker, I mean, you fact checkers, uh, you, you people that are listening that, you know, they're, they're running the number in their mind. How could she do that? Well, we had children in college for 11 consecutive years and nine and a half of those years, two and or three in college at the same time. And that's a, that's probably a topic we should talk about. So you know what? Write me or message me and let me know is if that's if you want to know how we actually did that. How do we get them all in college and out of college without any debts, without any college prepay? And you know what? We didn't foot the bill. Um, that's a fun story. It's a really cool story, actually. But when we circle back here to this particular podcast of how did we teach our children? Uh, I, I kind of boiled it down because I'm a master strength coach. I wasn't when my children were little, but I was always fascinated by their learning style. I was fascinated by temperaments and personalities. I was fascinated by, you know, how they were wired. Because, you know, your children are hardwired. They're wired and they're, it's just kind of like, um for those of you that are, computer geeks or uh, software developers or something like that, you understand uh, wireframing. Or if you're in construction, you know that everything has to start with a framework, right? And that is what, for me, I feel like a lot of these assessments are. They're, they're peaks. 
they give you a glimpse of who that child is at their core that will really never change. And because I did this in my my career life prior to having children, it just made sense to me. And now, of course, it's all the rage. Everybody is is enneagramming their type, or they're talking about their Myers Brig, or they're talking about their love language, they're talking about strength finders. You know, there's just so many different tools and assessments out there. Some people get very into them, and some people are like, hey, don't label me. And I get that. There's some in my family when I am throwing out another, hey, guys, let's do this. <laughs> they just roll their eyes and are like, oh, please, not again. Some of them are like, yeah, let's do it. The value in that and the reason why I became a master strength coach is because it allows me to better understand how my kids think, feel, and process the world around them. See, when you're in the middle of parenting, let's just say you're, you're like in the, you've, got, you've got middle schoolers or you have high schoolers, and, and let's just say things have gone relatively smooth. They're obedient. They desire to please you. They desire to have a relationship. They, life is good. I mean, they just, you talk to them, they smile, they look at you. You know, it's just things that make for a good relationship. And, and that can often make you feel as if, hey, I got this thing down pat. <laughs> I know. Uh, I felt like that for a while until I realized I didn't. And all it takes is one child to totally dethrone that myth. Because it is a myth, right? But you can use tools and assessments. And I did talk about this in one of my earlier episodes when I talked about understanding or defining your child's strengths, knowing your child's strengths and how to use them. So you can go and listen to those, and I'll reference those in the show notes so you can go back and listen to those, those podcasts. But when people specifically say, how, how did you actually teach your children? Part of me wants to say on a wing and a prayer. But I will say, God's grace really helped me do it, just getting up every day and saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and I'll tell you right now, there are 40 million students that are in some form or fashion being educated at home. Now, just wrap your brain around that. 40 million. That's a lot of kids doing the majority of their learning and their education at home with you, or at least you're present. And what starts to happen is you start to see how your children think, process, where they excel and where they stumble. So there's three points to today. You ready? You got to know your child. That's one. We'll break these down as we go, okay? You got to know your child. Two, you got to encourage them to try. Now, many of you right now are going, yeah, I do that, and I get nowhere but them getting mad at me and yelling at me and saying, I am trying. I get that. I had that happen too. It's kind of frustrating. And three, manage your expectations. That's an odd one, isn't it? We'll break all these down, okay? When I talk to you about know your child, if I were to ask you, do you know what your child is interested in? I mean, like really what they're interested in. Or maybe what their strengths are. If I were to say, take a minute 
and write down your child's strengths. What are their talents? And are their talents, are they being developed? I created a notebook when my children were young and I had a, a section for each of the kids and I would just take notes. And, and it's kind of interesting because you know, I'm a big journaler. Y'all hear me talk about this all the time. And I, but when they were young, I just had one notebook and they had tab dividers, nothing fancy. I was pretty, I mean, I was on a tight budget. I didn't have the, I mean, if I would have had, you know, Pinterest when my kids were little, I don't know, I might have been con totally discontent because of all the things I couldn't have that I saw that were so cool. So I just made a notebook and I started to know, to get to know my children. I started becoming a student of my kids. I, I could tell you which kid was more likely to share a toy, which child was more likely to look at the timer to make sure that everybody followed the same rules. And when the timer was up, it was time to move to the next thing. I could tell you which child took note of how much food the other kids were consuming because they wanted to make sure everybody had like equal portions or seconds. I could tell you which child would be the first one to say, hey, mom, can I help you? Can I help you fold the laundry? Mom, can I help you clean up the kitchen? Do you know which of your children would do those things? Have you really stopped long enough to kind of think about it? One thing I have listened to parents say, uh, literally for a very long time, um, about 37 years, is uh, what their kids do wrong. In a second, if I asked you to list your child's shortcomings, your child's weaknesses, the things that your child does that irritates you, it would take you a nanosecond to rattle those off because we notice that. We especially notice that in our children. We can tell you exactly what they need to fix and what we need to help them fix. We can tell you about our child's weaknesses, the ones that are slobs, the ones that say they do their schoolwork and don't, the ones who say they practice music and don't, the ones who say that they have unloaded the dishwasher, but they unloaded one shelf, or the ones who said they read the chapter in the book, and when you ask them to tell you what they read, they couldn't tell you a thing because they didn't read it. Or they did what a lot of people do, and they read like the last page to get like the summary of it. They read the first paragraph of the, of the, of the chapter, and then they read the subtitles in that chapter, and then they read the, like, the last couple of paragraphs, and then they think they have gotten the gist of what they were supposed to read. Well, it doesn't really work so well if you're trying to develop detecting a sequence or determining what comes next. Kind of hard if they're not really reading the whole book. And there's a lot of reasons why we have our kids read chapter books, because we're actually helping to train them in the thinking process, in the like I said, identifying a sequence, understanding what might inferring inferences. Now, when I say about knowing your children, 
and I mentioned the strengths and I talked about the talents. Are they, are they developing the talents? Do they even know what they are? You see, if you don't know what they are, a lot of times you can't point out what you see them excelling at or being potentially very gifted or good at. Sometimes they'll gravitate to it, but not all kids. Some kids need some encouragement, a little extra encouragement because their confidence isn't very strong. You know, and, and what are their interests? Now, you know, when I was talking to you about, you can tell me quickly about what your children aren't doing or can't do or don't do. But could you just as quickly talk about what it is they can do and they can do well? What character qualities do they seem to emulate from them? How do you teach your children? It has to start by knowing your child, plain and simple. And if you have a lot of children, then you may want to create a notebook as well and just write a few things down. And, and here's, here's your thought thinking, I don't have time to do that, Connie. That takes too long. It actually doesn't. You can pause Facebook or Instagram or some of the other things that you do that are kind of just, you got to unplug and get away. And I didn't do it every single day, but this is what I would do. I had a block of time. And I would just write down like one or two little points. I noticed how generous X, you know, certain child was with their afternoon snack. Or I noticed when a spill happened in the kitchen, this particular child was the first one to start helping to clean it up. I noticed how this child immediately said, mom, it's okay. It's okay. The peacemakers. the truth tellers, the responsible ones. If right now, as you're listening to this, your mind is kind of swirling and you're thinking, yeah, I probably, I think I could improve on that. Well, if you are wanting to teach your children well, you've got to start with knowing them and being a student of them. Two, you've got to encourage them to try. And that, that there's a difference here because you don't want to focus on constantly correcting and criticizing them because that's really, you're, you're correcting, you're criticizing them for failing at something, whether it's a standard you have or a, even a character quality you're trying to develop in them. You have to encourage them to try. Not all your kids are going to be like, oh, darn, I failed this test or I missed the spelling word and I will just try harder next time. Well, you might have some kids like that, especially your positivity, your optimistic kids. The glass is always half full. But not all your kids are like that. And when we give encouragement to our children, that is just something that goes deep into their heart and it penetrates them in, in a way that makes them believe Maybe I can do this. It might be hard, but maybe I can. So encourage them to try by not just simply saying, you can do it. It's not that hard. It's easy. No, no, no. I really encourage parents, don't tell your children it's easy or it's simple. And here's why. I have found that when we tell our children something is easy or simple, it 
can very much discourage and reinforce in the child that's already struggling that, well, they don't understand it. They don't get it. It must be them. I am dumb. I mean, kids just extrapolate these words and then they, they gets all twisted as they go in from the ears to, you know, the brain. And what you say did not get translated properly. It's like you're speaking a different language and they don't understand. But encouraging them to try, um, when you say it's simple, they often hear, well, if it's so simple, I must be stupid. Or it's easy. You may be saying, you know what? You're making a bigger deal of it than it really is. It's easy. That may be what you're trying to say, but not all your children are going to hear that. And they might get more frustrated because if it's so easy, why can't I get it? So you want to be careful there with how you try to encourage them. Encourage them in tangible ways. And some of that encouragement is breaking down what it is that's the barrier to them trying again. You know, sweetie, it's okay if you didn't get it the first time. Let's try it again. Let's work together. Or what can I help you with? Those are proactive comments that kind of breathe life into your children. Third, manage your expectations. When I tell parents about managing your expectations, you know, we have expectations of our children. Sometimes those expectations, they're the result of maybe we were parented that way. Our parents placed high expectations, straight A's, top of the class, number one, whatever it is that maybe your parents placed on you and, you know, you're an achiever type or you're a people pleaser. And so you kind of think, well, it worked for me. I'll do it with my kids. I'm just going to invite you to consider you might not want to do that. See, having high expectations of excellence, of doing your best, what is your best for one child? You know, it just might not be one of your other kids' best. Some of my children excelled in calculus and some of them didn't do calculus. Did it mean the kids that excelled in calculus were smarter? No. It just meant that they were good at calculus. They're good with numbers. They're number crunchers. They're, that's how they were what? That's how they were wired. It was the gift, the strengths that they had. And I. it was my job as a homeschool mama, as a teacher, as a mother, to help them see, you know what, that's a, that's, a, that's a gift God gave you. That's a strength. Let's develop that talent. So you want to make sure that your expectations are fitting to the child you're dealing with. So if you have a child who, who is um, struggling with diagramming sentences or with spelling, for instance, maybe they just can't seem to figure out how the spelling works. I remember teaching phonics to my kids. I didn't learn phonics in school. And so I remember when I was teaching phonics to my kids, I, I felt like I was having aha moments constantly. I didn't know that O-U-G-H had all those different sounds. I just was blown away. So, but not all of my kids, the spelling clicked with. So managing the expectations are really managing yours. If you set the expectations for excellence, that's fine as long as excellence is defined by your best your child's best. And you can encourage them to keep striving to do better, to excel 
in the areas that they are gifted in. You know, kids will want to work independently when they know that you believe in them. Kids will want to work independently when they can pursue their interests. Kids will work independently when they can make choices and decisions without always being told. Kids will work independently when they observe, when they observe others who model success. So some kids are looking around and when they see something that they deem as successful, they'll model that. Kids will work independently when they um, see that you are available. They're willing to work independently as long as they know if they get stuck, you're just a little like, mom, away. Kids will work independently when you match their readiness to the subject. After being involved in the education field now for over 30 years, some of the things I see is that we try to push some of our children to excel in areas that they're just not ready for. I have read many books over the years that were, you know, trying to tell us that some children are just late bloomers. And that's hard when you're a parent and you have a child who's doing very well, and then you have a child who's struggling. You start to think, is it you? And then you'll think, what's wrong with my child? There may be nothing wrong with your child. It's just they're not ready. It's okay to wait. I'm giving you permission right now. You have permission. If your child seems to really be struggling, it's okay to wait a little bit until they show signs of readiness. And why does this matter? Because I'm going to tell you, remember? Kids will work independently. They will try. If they think there is a measure of success, that they can succeed at it. Some of your kids, they're going to try and they're going to fail and they're going to try and they're going to fail and they're going to be like, well, failed again, but I got to try tomorrow. But not all your kids will be like that. See, your kids will work independently when they experience what they are learning. I often talk about my daughter who's an artist. Her learning style was very kinesthetic. She had to experience every aspect of whatever subject we were learning for it to stick. And why? I didn't realize when she was in kindergarten or fourth, fifth grade or eighth, ninth or 10th, 11th, I didn't realize that that was really going to be her future, her future today. And now she is a grown woman who has a very successful business. She still has to learn by experiencing her surroundings to the fullest. If she wants to know about a country, she has to read about it and experience it and eat the food and watch the culture and listen to the music. I mean, that's part of how she takes in the world around her and processes it and learns from it. But I have other children. No, they don't need any of that. They just they just want to read about it in a book or watch a 10-minute, you know, 30-minute documentary, and then they've got it. They don't have the same curiosity for the same subjects. And your kids won't either. You know, and if you want your kids to learn independently and you really want to teach your children well, you've got to give them plenty of activity. Learning is birth through activity and experiencing life. 
See, if your child isn't ready, they're going to say things like, I can't. It's too hard. I hate this. I don't like this. I don't get it. You got to remember that some topics take a lot more brain power for your child. You can't, you know, you just can't pay attention. They just struggle. They can't sit still and they can't stay on task. I, I had one like that. Staying on task was so difficult. If I said, sit still, sit in your seat, stay there until you finish. Well, they're not going to learn a thing because all they're going to focus on is, I got to sit here, sit here, sit here, sit here, sit here. Meanwhile, they're not learning a thing because they're taking all the brain power to control the body that's a wiggling, you know, that's wanting to do everything, be involved. They just can't pay attention. If you have a child that's like that, I'm just going to encourage you, break it into smaller pieces. Make it as hands-on as you possibly can. That will make all the difference in the world. So your kids have a natural desire to learn. So when you people ask me, Connie, how did you do it all? Well, I didn't do delight-directed study because, frankly, that was way too hard for me with five kids in seven years. I mean, I felt like I would have been, I don't know, ah. Oh, chasing squirrels. But I did know that they have a desire to learn and that it was my job to fuel the flame of learning and the passion within them. See, we can cultivate it and nurture it and they start to thrive and they start to learn independently without us having to sit with them. Not all kids can do that. Some of your children are going to need you to sit with them to the very end. I mean, literally, till you turn the tassel in their 12th grade year. But if you're not careful, you can drive the desire to learn right out of them. How? By criticizing, by correcting, by marginalizing, minimizing, by expecting a standard that they're not capable of achieving. Not every child can be a straight-A child. Does that mean that they're not smart? No, they're going to excel in the areas that they were born and gifted to excel in. And you have the opportunity to help them discover those areas. And then create a path that is fits tailor-made to that child. Does that make sense? I'm sure it probably does. And I, I know many of you are sitting there and you're nodding your head. You know, think about this. What, what keeps your kids awake at night? What makes them like light up with their eyes just pop open and excitement and delight? Do you know what your kids are afraid of? Is it a fear of failing? Is it afraid of looking stupid? What are your kids afraid of? Do you know? If you do, write it down. What gets your kids angry? Who do they get angry at? You or themselves? You know, what are their what are their daily frustrations? Like every day you almost know they're going to have a meltdown over X, Y, or Z. What is that? What do they secretly desire the most? Do you know? If not, write that down. That you work to try to explore and discover what that is. 
See, it's so important that we know these things about our children. And how did I teach my children? I became a student of them. I sure did. I, I made sure that I was paying attention to those little things that were, they were saying or doing. I would encourage them to try. And if they didn't do well, if the Lego set didn't work or the video they were making didn't work or the painting turned out a flop or whatever it was, I made sure to encourage them in a subtle way to maybe try again or try a different approach. And I always had to manage my own expectations because we all want our children to do excellent, but we want to make sure that our expectations fit their abilities. And again, I gave you lots of suggestions and practical examples earlier. So go back and listen to those. Remember, you have this amazing opportunity right now as we're in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in this world. You have this unbelievable opportunity to kind of help them in those areas. And if you're not, if as schools are opening up and, and you're maybe not teaching them anymore, you can still, you can still be teaching them. You can still be helping them excel in the areas of their strengths by knowing how God has made them, by paying attention, by writing it down, and by gently encouraging them. So that wraps up this edition of Equip to Be. I hope it was a blessing to you. I'll get I'll just keep doing a series of these because I know those are the things you're asking me for. I get asked about oh, all kinds of stuff, you know, leadership stuff, how to manage a home, how to grow your marriage, how to grow relationships, how to run businesses, all kinds of stuff. But you know, if you're married or if you have kids, these are the these are the foundational things that if if you have these working well, all those other things can kind of like fall into place and you can hum along. So I hope that this was a blessing to you. Please let me know and tell your friends. We want to have as many people listen to this podcast as possible. If you think it would be a blessing to somebody, please share it, tell them, tag them, uh, let me know. And I look forward to next week. So see you then. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.